from the MZ Studios in Dallas, Texas. Turn me up. It's the Red Boy Radio Show. You forgot your boarding pass. Can we can we all get along? Can we can we get along? The above entitled action find the defendant Orenthal James Simpson not guilty of the more problems we see. Now this is a story. You can't touch this. This is the Red Boy Radio Show. Content and conversations for the culture. Mixed with classics. With classics. All right, all right. What's going on, my good people? Let me welcome you to another edition of the Red Boy Radio Show. I am your host, Mr. Red Boy Radio, a.k.a. Mr. Throwback, a.k.a. Mr. Classic Man, a.k.a. Simply Just Ray Ray, or you can call me the El Capitan if you want to, because I am the captain of this flight or this ship that we call the Red Boy Radio Show, where we discuss content and conversations for the culture mix with classics all right so fam if you are joining me for the first time let me tell you real quick i appreciate the love and support that you're giving me so far and also at the same time fam if you're uh you've been with me thank you uh very much for just riding me for the last five six years however long we've been doing this thing man y'all been uh giving your boy support and i truly truly appreciate it uh so as i was talking about being an el capitan uh y'all see it on the screen of course if you're watching me live on facebook and if you're on the audio let me introduce you to my let me let me say my special co-host, if you will. We don't know yet if we're gonna make this thing permanent, but I'm sure enough trying. So let me introduce y'all fan to my girl Angeli who's in the building with me. Angeli, how you doing? What's going on? Tell the people about yourself. I want to say I'm a community activist. I'd like to say a lot more, but that would be exaggerating. <laughs> I, I'm glad to be here this morning. Cool, cool. How you been? I know it's been a while since we've seen each other. You've been good. you've been out there in the dirt doing yeah, big things. You know, I like the army so much I did it twice. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm home now. I'm home. I'm home. Gotcha. How'd that feel to like do a retirement for the second time around? You know, it it, it was awesome. It's pretty awesome because I think I've been in the military to see a whole bunch of changes come through. And, yeah. I, and I like the changes. A lot of people can't roll with the changes, but I think change is good. Okay. I got you. Yeah. So if y'all don't know, of course, both of us are military retirees. Uh, I'm a Marine. She's a soldier. I'm, I'm not going to belittle you. You know, but I'll say soldier. We'll leave it at that. But no, nah, <laughs> we both did our time and uh, it's over with. So are, are you feeling good about the final separation or is there anything you miss yet? I miss the paycheck. The paycheck. <laughs> okay. Paycheck is really sad that our Uncle Sam ain't paying me no more, but other than that, I- I'm good. I got you. I got you. Well, I definitely appreciate you uh, coming through uh, today. Like I said, hopefully we can uh, make this thing permanent. Uh, if y'all don't know Angelie, if you don't follow her uh, on social media, make sure you do so. She's, uh, well, if that's if she's not in jail, let's put you like that. If she ain't in Facebook jail, you'll be able to see a lot of her posts or whatever, right? So she's she's got a great personality, y'all. Funny as hell. And so that's why I definitely want to invite her on the show. And like I said, hopefully we can make this a little bit permanent and kind of keep the conversation going because it's good for me to always talk to y'all. But I also want uh, somebody else's perspective. And, of course, I would uh, hope to have a woman's perspective because I'm a dude. She's a woman. You get different sides of the ball game. We can agree to disagree or whatever, but we'll have a good time while we're doing it. Um, So once again, fam, thank y'all for joining in. And if, in fact, you are on my Facebook page, y'all know what to do, man. Make sure y'all leave me a comment as we get into the show. Uh, If you want to shout somebody out, let me know that as well. I will do that. If you got any birthdays going out there, if you want to say what's up to your missus, uh, your side piece, whatever it is, hey, 
Everybody got somebody, so I just want to make sure we give them their proper love. But uh, we're going to definitely have a good show today, fam. Uh, y'all know how we do it. It's either going to be like a red zone topic or it's going to be a I'm so old school with a topic. But in today's episode of the Red Bull Radio Show, we're going to do a red zone topic. And I, and I think it's very, very important um, because it is uh, Black History Month. We want to make sure we talk uh, things when it deals with our black history. So today's topic for the red zone is going to be critical condition all right y'all know how i do it it's always got some type of twist to it so y'all make sure y'all pay attention and when you're paying attention of course if you are in fact watching this live make sure you interact leave your comments and if uh, you leave a good comment whatever i'll make sure i circle back and read that comment on online as well so we can uh, get your feedback as we get into this conversation but once again family it's great to have y'all here i'm feeling good today there's a lot of stuff going on we on the verge of war i guess angela what do you think are we with the Ukraine situation, and they better pump their brains. Pump the, I, I hope they pump their nowhere. brains too. Right, we dealing with COVID. Not only the original COVID, we're doing the remix of COVID with the uh, Omicron or Omarion. You know how black folks say Omarion. That's what I said. I ain't got the Omarion. I mean, I like, <laughs> you never know. But it's a lot going on, fam. So this is this is what I like to do on this show: just to sit down, just have a conversation. Kind of get out of the reality of the world. And uh, let's just speak. And today, of course, we'll be speaking about us. We'll be speaking about the African-American community and how we're dealing with certain things. And that's why I'm going to call this topic critical condition. We'll get into all that after our first break. So y'all relax for just a moment and we'll be coming back once again. If you didn't read the title, if you're on Facebook Live, you didn't read the header. This is a little disclaimer. As we are speaking and as we go into the first song uh, of the show, of course, if you're watching us live, that audio will be mute, but stand by. We'll be right back. For everyone else, y'all enjoy this classic from Poor Righteous Teachers. This is the Red Boy Radio Show. Let's go. Time to get funky and radical hip as I get to the point. Rock this funky joint. Wait a second. Check the intellect, but I'm accepting Then give you it, but, but give you what? The beaver or the chief, I often come to touch it up But, must I be just enough to manifest The fabric mathematics, black be that a crazy attic Rock the dose, attract the static, then that's your rocket to my concept Now I got to stand for this, for this why Civilized, hip, hip, hot, rhyme from a black mind To kicking it to you all the time, ice alarm You like a more a peace sign Represent my way of life, and must be that of Islam I took my time, but before I manifest the rhyme Acapella, wisdom, G, I'm manifesting, understanding, understood, so there's no need for keep your guessing. Follow me now, see? See, I'll be rocking. The second hand is ticking, still the posse don't be clocking. Controllers of the clock be ticking closer to the point. Rock this funky joint, keep joint, keep Teachers try BPRT for sure. Now, now don't want more. Hmm? Or am I too much for the mental? Proceed, teacher, please. Just keep it sort of simple like hip hop. You complicatedly, I place it according to the moods of my intellect. Step for step, I step a little closer to the point. Rock this funky joint. But, but I'm your teacher. I teach ya. Rocker when I rock ya. The king I pull from a different style of hip hop. Smooth like a wise word spoken from a prophet. Rough 
life like a slave trying to get away. See, I'm combined with two kinds of rhyme trying to reach you. The knowledge of myself makes me a poor righteous teacher. Stop the flip the topic. Islamically, I drop it. My duty be to teach, so keep your pistol in your pocket. I self, more and master, traveling faster as I get closer to the point. Rock this funky joint. Keep joint. On top of it, I, I have to get the sounds that you be seeking and the words that I be speaking. Poor righteous teachers, posse teachers, anyone that likes this style that I be styling, mentally profiling. Should I say I'm smooth with the roughness, just serving justice? Suckers try to suck this, but but I be scoping. Never I'm not sleeping because it's culture freedom. G, who's posse ruling? PRG, Murphy. It's sort of simple, see? Now look at me, the holy intellectual type. When I write, the spirit always kicks me something hype. I pet the mic, yo. Cause it's my whole life, life like I'm creating. Man, I beat the state in. Can I say I'm great when there's not another brother greater? Turn a culture freedom for support. See, man, I feel the point. Rock this funky joint. Keep joint. Losers never rock this. Snakes try to stop this. Purified and holy hip hopness. Listen to the concept. Sweat tech techno. Peace be the Lord. I feel the sword when I speak. Assalamu alaikum. Waalaikum assalam. A universal greeting from the people of our kind. Step into the realm of my cipher. Feel the different type of. Come and stop my step and step and technique. 1200s left about the vine. He's asking me to rock. So now I'm giving him the spot. Entered the zone. Coming, coming out your stereo. Red Zone. All right, family, we are back. This is the Red Boy Radio Show. Content and conversations for the culture mixed with classics. I am your host, Red Boy, and I got my co-host with me. Miss Angelique is in the building. Feeling good? I am, I am. All right, all right. Let's go and get into this topic, fam, which is the Red Zone topic of the day, which is called Critical condition all right so since this is a month of february fam i wanted to make sure that we talked about a topic because it is a uh, black history month uh even though we only got 28 days we know black history is 365 all right so don't let them convince you otherwise we'll take this month as a celebration but of course we keep on doing what we do every day of the week or every day of the year but i thought it was important to bring uh this particular red zone topic to you because there's a lot of things that i see as i move around the world and we navigate through this thing called life uh, it seems like some a lot of folks who are um, haters, I guess, if you will, or those who tend to be what we call white supremacists uh, don't seem to like that we are growing and can we continue to grow every year. Now, before I get into deeper into this conversation, I'm going to let you know right now, this is a heavy topic for me because, again, one, I am a black man. Uh, second, I don't know I'm a black man. I'm a black father that has to raise a black boy. 
So it's very important to me and it's very, um, and not only that, of course, I'm a black man married to a black woman. And so not only do I have to protect my son, I have to protect my wife as well. So a lot of these things that I see going on gets to me. I know we try to stay calm and be in this certain zone what they expect us to. But at the same time, it's hard to do that when you know that you're trying the best that you can to be better. And because you are better, people continue to hate you more. All right. So as we get through this, just know if I particularly say white men or a white man, this is not painted with a broad brush. OK, so if I say something that offends you and you're watching, if you are not a racist or you are not a white supremacist, you should not be offended. OK, I love everybody. I don't care for white supremacy or I don't care for someone who thinks they're better than me because of the color of their skin or the lack of color of my skin for that matter. Do we understand each other? Hopefully we do. But I'm just going to put that out there right now because if it gets deep and as me and Angelique had this conversation, there may be something that triggers me to say something a little bit more aggressive than normal. But if that is the case, please understand it's not directed at you. It's not directed at you if it's not you. We cool? All right, so let's get into this cr uh, critical condition, all right? Now, for those of y'all who've been uh, watching and paying attention, uh, we've gotten a lot of beef lately, or the community has gotten a lot of beef lately because uh, people are concerned about learning about what they call critical race theory, okay? Now, a lot of these folks uh, on the other side, if you will, have taken this, this course, if you will, and made it twisted and made it bigger than what it is. And for those who don't know, let's just break this down real quick and then we'll get into our conversation. OK, so critical race theory is basically an academic concept that has been in place for more than 40 years. The core idea is that race is a social construct and that racism is not merely the product of individual bias or prejudice, but also something embedded in our legal systems and our policies. Now, critical race theory is not being taught in elementary, junior high or high school. Not all colleges either. It's merely only being taught in legal classes when it comes to college. But somehow everybody's grabbed this and said, oh, I don't want my kids to learn about critical race theory because I don't want them to feel bad about their heritage. Now, when I'm saying they, we know we're talking specifically about some white folks on that side that's saying that if their kids learn about this critical race theory, then they're going to feel bad about their heritage. And there's a lot of governors across the states i.e. DeSantos in Florida, uh, some folks here in Texas, they want to remove all those things so that their kids don't feel bad about themselves. However, if that is the case and that's the way it's supposed to be, please tell me, why do you feel only one set of kids need to be protected so they don't feel bad about themselves? Because if I look at my son and every other kid that looks like him, when they see what they see on TV, when you see people killing each other or police killing them or how they may be treated just by their peers who are white kids, they are treated bad and they've told to feel bad about themselves. When I was growing up, when we were growing up, we were told certain things about ourselves that made us feel bad about ourselves. So we can sit here all the way, talk about critical race theory. But what I want to talk to you about today is critical condition and how many layers we're talking about. One thing about critical condition is how our mindset is critically conditioned to feel like we are not worthy enough. And when you get to the day and they want to take away the books and education to teach not only us, but to teach other kids around us that education because they want to protect them, then what does that really say about us? Does that say that we're not worth it? Is that saying that we don't matter? 
I mean, that's a question that I have. So we're going to go into that today, and I'm going to give you a lot of my thoughts on how I feel about it. I'm going to get Angelique's thoughts about how she feel about it. And, of course, if you are watching this online, I want you to drop a note and tell me how you feel about it. So this is critical condition. And right now, I think that as far as our education system is concerned, how our kids are concerned, without having that that education or given that, edu- you know, the history, American history, Right. We're all included. OK, there's no one side to it. All included. If you delete certain pieces of American history, then you're going to leave my kids in critical condition when it comes to their mindset and how they feel about themselves. Angela, what do you think about that? Um, I hate it that they ban these books and they don't want to talk about it. And I don't think necessarily it's just racist and, um, you know, the hard right wing. I think it's the regular everyday people that we come in contact with. They don't actually know. You can't have empathy for a two minute talk in school over whatever. I mean, you can, you know, I imagine being a white child and hearing about um, slavery and stuff like that, but you don't empathize with it unless you know that when slavery stopped, it didn't just stop for us. Right. Like we were set free and I guess they figured, well, hey, you know, Lincoln freed y'all and that was the end and then realized the, the aftermath mm-hmm. of slavery mm-hmm. that it didn't end. And and it goes on today and they don't understand that until unless they happen to marry into the uh, black race or culture or they have somebody in their family internally going through it. You don't realize it. Yeah. You, you just don't. And I, I, I don't want to say it's all racist because it's regular people that you can go into Walmart and stuff and they're not necessarily racist. They just don't have empathy for what they don't know. Right. And that's the thing that I want to talk about, because the reason why they don't have that, because they're not taught that. Right. All the while that we were coming up and we were educated in school, I can remember and I grew up in Oklahoma, so I can be remember being educated about uh, all the cowboys. All right. Uh, and I mean real cowboys, okay? I remember being educated about um, all the presidents. Um, nothing was really given to me about my heritage, except for when it came to February, I hear about Martin Luther King, and I might hear about Harriet Tubman. But that's a in and out. Yeah. And that's it. And everything else that we've been inundated with, we are basically taught and con- critically conditioned to think that who are we supposed to call our heroes? If you don't give me one other than what you've already given me, then I can't see Martin, Martin Bailey or Harriet as worthy to me because you've right. inundated with me with everything else and how everything else is supposed to be. And I'm supposed to celebrate that. I mean, even, even when it comes down, I'm not dismiss, dismissing America, but when we talk about forefathers, are they my, are they my fathers? Or they just, yeah. they call the forefathers of this country. I mean, because that's who I'm supposed to relate to, but yet we got different ideas. we got different way of living. But when we do that, it seems like we're put down for the way we want to be and supposed to celebrate the way that they are, even though, Majority of them, well, all of them, if you, I don't say all, because again, I don't want to paint this with a broad brush. They owned us for a moment. Mm-hmm. They enslaved us, right? They they had us build this country up for free. Right. But yet, we are the ones that's called lazy. And, and that needs thugs. to be taught up in school. But I, I asked my daughter, I said, what do you think about critical race theory? Yeah. And she said, I know what it is. She said, and mom, I know you want to, you know, fight for rights in this net. She said, but we don't go in depth into school on any history. Yeah. She said, we don't really go into depth about George Washington and this and that. You hear their names and stuff and you don't. And so then I was like, you know what? I have failed as a parent because an, if you want your child to know about your culture, your race, your upbringing, anything, that's something you have to teach them. Mm-hmm. And so if I haven't sat down and taught them that, then we're, I I don't think it's fair to, to just blame solely on the school that they should do that. Right. I know um, my father 
taught me things, brought me books home and stuff. I remember when I was growing up, um, what's the thing with Daisy Duke on it? Uh, Dukes of Hazard. Dukes of Hazard. Yeah, yeah. I love Dukes of Hazard. Yeah. And I grew up in Nashville. So when I was little, um, my teacher gave everybody in the class a little Confederate flag. Well, I came home with my flag and I was right. like, <laughs> I got the General Lee's flag. My daddy immediately took it from me, ripped it up, stopped it on the ground. And I was like, and then he had to explain why. Because the, you know, the Dukes of Hazard car was never in my head. I didn't know about that flag. Right. And I was in Nashville growing up. I didn't know it was a racist flag. I didn't know what was behind that flag. It was the General Lee's car, mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned. And then, you know, it, you could see the look on my dad's face where he had to explain to me, okay, there's the reason. I'm not just taking this little flag up out your hand because I don't want you to have it. Right, he right. said, you need to understand. And had he not told me, I would not know probably until I'm older. Like, mm-hmm. I'm ashamed to to tell you, but I didn't know about Black Wall Street till maybe nine, ten years ago. Oh. And how the heck did I grow up and not hear about such a huge catastrophe mm-hmm. that's pretty much current events? Yeah. And I'll do one bigger for you. And I, and I don't mean to cut you off, but I'll do one bigger because I've said this several times on the show, but I'll repeat it again for this particular topic. When you say that about uh, Black Wall Street, know this. I grew up in Oklahoma and I didn't know about it. I found out about it. I remember the exact day. It was in 2012. A gentleman from South Carolina mentioned it to me while I was in the military. Mm-hmm. And I t- he asked me where I was from. I was like, I'm from Oklahoma. I was like, oh, you from Black Wall Street? I was like, what? And it sounded, when he said it, it sounded like a crazy idea. Like, who in the world is Black Wall Street? And why would you think such things, right? We ain't that rich because you know, I'm coming from law. We sure ain't that right. rich, right? But he explained it to me, and I had to go and do my research because it was never taught in class, and yet it, it happened three hours down the road from where I grew up. It's amazing. When I got stationed at Fort Leonard Wood, yeah. um, I was dating this guy. And that's where we would meet in Oklahoma. And I was like, we got to go to Black Wall Street. We got to go. You know, yeah. he's like, that's not there anymore. It doesn't matter to me if it's not right. there anymore. <laughs> right. I, I'm ashamed that I didn't know about it for so long. Yeah. And I love that kind of history. Not not the tragedy behind it, but the amazing um awesomeness behind it here there were there was a black community that was rich and powerful they had banks they had bakeries they were self-sustaining they didn't need to go outside of their um you know outside of their you know like i like to say keep the money in the circle Mm -hmm. they kept the money in the circle Mm -hmm. and that perturbed people i can you imagine you know what i was saying stay in your lane mind your business and that but to to be so flourishing and that perturbs somebody that has nothing to do with it like Mm -hmm. you could come across from 200 miles away and you heard that there was a black town that was flourishing, that they had cars and they had nice clothing. Their kids went to a private school and that tick you off. Like what kind of mindset right. goes through that, that that would, that would perturb you. Yeah. It I mean, it has you, nothing to do with you. Like, do you have nothing in your life so bad that you got to go, you know, 200 miles? Right. And when the same people that you're hating on has the same idea as you, they want to grow up in this country. They right. want to uh, find a family, build wealth, build a business, whatever they want. The same exact things y'all are doing, they were doing. And for somehow, like you said, it upsets you to where you want to go in there and kill them. Right. You know, it's it, amazing. It, it does. It, it really, really amazes me. And uh, we, I just started learning about when, since we're talking about Black Wall Street. Of course, I want to make sure we don't dismiss because there's been plenty of cities just like Black Wall Street or black communities that were thriving and that somehow, some way, racism and white supremacy got rid of them, murdered them and burned them down. OK, not only that, uh, it's amazing because I'm just now starting to learn more about drown towns. Are you aware of drown? I don't towns? even know what that is. OK, well, let me give you this. So one in particular drown town that I know of that I just done my research on. There are plenty across the country. But again, if you don't know this like we don't, then this is what happens. Right. 
So one for sure is Lake Lanier. You know where Lake Lanier is? It's in it's in Georgia. No. I believe I'm not mistaken. If I, if it's not Georgia, someone correct me. But anyway, Lake Lanier is one of it's one of the populations that we know of. And every uh, year, of course, people go down there to do you know little festivals during spring break, what have you. Well, come to find out, that is one of the drowned towns. And what a drowned town is is it was a prominent black community where it had their own businesses, just like Black Wall Street. They did everything within the community, so forth and so on. And when they had white supremacy come through and for whatever reason, because, you know, they'll make up a story. Somebody whistled at somebody or somebody said something to somebody and then it's done. Right. Mm-hmm. No different from Rosewood. Right. But so basically what they did was they burned down the town. They killed everybody. Mm-hmm. And right now. That whole town is still underwater under Lake Lanier. Oh, so wow. people will celebrate and do spring breaks and swimming over this lake while there are still graves underneath. And they say if you go all the way to the bottom, you'll still be able to see the graves. Of yeah. people who passed away, who people who they killed, and some of the some pieces of the remnants of the town is still there. Now that's just one, but there are many more across oh, yeah. the country that, or across the South for sure that we don't know about. Being in my twenties, watching that movie Rosewood, mm, if I yeah. tell you, not knowing the history that I need to know, and watching that movie, I was ready to get in my car mm. with some kind of a piece of weapon or something, and just go down and start knocking mailbox down, start busting windows. I mean, I was that hot because mm-hmm. I could not believe. And like I said, stuff that happened 50 and 60 years ago, that's current. That's mm. current. There's people that this happened to that are still alive. Stuff like that, Black Wall Street, there's still people. That's current. And yeah. for me not to know my current history is just, it, it breaks my heart. Yeah. I mean, you know, I might not know everything from Egypt and stuff because that's way back history, you know, world history and stuff like that, but not to know current history of what's going on, that that's heartbreaking. It is. It is. And, that, and that's why I say it's very critical. Again, as that word critical that we know more about ourselves, more about what we come from, more about uh, how we contributed to this country being built more. And I will say this and we can have an argument about it more so than those who enslaved us. Let me, you know, let me, let me say this. Cause Mira is on here watching. She's yeah. a close friend of mine. And yeah. she said, she didn't like the word critical race theory. She yeah. said, cause it's not a theory. It's a fact. It's a fact. Right. Right. She said, that. so you're making it a theory. <laughs> like, you know, like yeah. somebody is a suspect in a, in a robbery or something. She talking about, no, there's the person who robbed somebody and the person mm-hmm. who didn't rob. She said, this is a fact. And you know, when you think about it that way, and I appreciate that comment because when you do think about it, yeah, you're right. And that's it goes to another level of how certain things are labeled to sound cute, yeah. I guess. But you're right. It is a fact. So when they start talking about in, in, in law school about how the laws are constructed to make us worse than, or we're worse off and get longer sentences, uh, longer convictions, what have you, because that's the way the system was designed to destroy us. That is truly a fact. We can look at numbers all day and they'll all all say the same. We know that for a fact. I mean, if you look at. Um, most recent incidents uh, with the, the gentleman, Amar Locke, that was the no-knock warrant when they walked in oh, and, yeah. and shot him. I mean, can you imagine totally being asleep on your couch? I don't care if I got a gun or not. I'm protecting my household. And you walk in and there's an excuse. You see me uh, come under a blanket. You don't even give me time to think for myself. And now I'm gone. Yeah. My mama has lost a son. My daddy has lost a son. My, my brothers and sisters have lost their brother, cousins, all that because of what? And I wasn't even the one. You yeah. were looking for that has that I, I do not even know how you justify that as being legal. I don't. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't even know how you justify that as being legal. And all I can say is that was murder. It's the critical. It condition. was legal murder. Legal that's murder. Yeah. And it was critical conditioning because that's how they are conditioned to see us as less than. They don't see us as human. That we're inferior. And this is how critical race theory plays into today's 
uh, even with just past instances for um, my boy uh, Tillman, the one that whistled at the lady and they Emmett drug Till. him. Emmett Till. Till, yeah. I have a friend who I've tried to get on a cruise now who will not get on the cruise because he said Emmett Till died in the water. Wow. They found his body in the water. And if you think that it won't affect you, mm-hmm. we weren't alive when that happened. And here we are. He's 50. We're about 50 years old. And he will not get on a cruise ship because in his mind, he sees Emmett Till in the water. In the water, drowning. So wow. if you want to know how that affects you, that's how it affects generation to generation to generation. Yeah. And if you don't know the history, you can't have empathy. Um, Olivia would watch, um, which I thought was a little bit more, but I never stopped her. She watch tons of concentration movies. I think they were on Netflix, little kids going to concentration camps and getting gas and stuff. And because she watched those and she understood the history and she learned about the history, she could have empathy for the Jewish people Mm -hmm. where they don't really teach that in school either. And so you have got to, as parents, teach empathy into your kids, whether they're white, black, Asian, every race. And I'm not trying to down the white race has had some kind of conflict and something in their history where they have been put down and disparaged and all that. And so we want to protect one group. Mm-hmm. And yet all these other groups, the Chinese that had to build the railroads that were put in concentration camps, the Japanese that were put in concentration camps, none of them were as drastic as we were. Right. But all of it has been pushed to the side because it's not Anglo-Saxon. Right. And that's unfortunate. Yeah. I mean, and I'll, I'll, I'll say this quick note, too, um, before we take this quick break. Um, one thing I think that's very big, and I'm, I'm going back to me being a, a, a father, and I see some of y'all's comments, and I will read them here in a second. Uh, but one thing that takes me back is being a father, uh, trying to be a strong black man, uh, is the fact that if you think backwards into history, okay, and the way that our ancestors were treated, all right, uh, we're talking about the, the, especially the queens. All right, that's why I have so much respect for y'all. It's, it's just, yeah, out of this world for me. But imagine being in a, in a place where someone can just come in. You're, you're in your cabin or wherever you live. You, you reside. protect your family. Right, and someone can just walk in. Massacre can walk in or someone send out the summon your wife mm-hmm. to take her in the house and do as he pleases, yeah. right? And what you were supposed to do. The masculinity is, is taken from Yeah, you. it's taken away from you. You're supposed to stand there and be a man about it. And be tough about it when, in fact, we don't talk about this enough. I think that man became a boy. Mm -hmm. It went in reverse because I can't protect you. I remember being a child not being able to protect my mother from from violence or what have you. So imagine being that. And then they return her back to you. And you ain't supposed to say nothing. You're not supposed to do nothing. All you can do is is holding all the emotions that you feel don't matter. And you then, better and have that your deals ass with in the, the field. women's psyche too, yeah. because he, I, I don't care what country, or whatever you expect the man to be the provider and the savior. Yeah. And when he can't save you, and you know that there's no way he can actually save you, save you from that. Yeah. You still got deep rooted hurt. Yeah. You still exactly. got deep rooted hurt. And not only that, you still had to be up in the field by five o'clock in the morning. Exactly. Don't say a word. You know. So that I think that that's one of those conditions that we have now. Because remember, growing up. And I'm saying it's all black men. Depend. I don't care how you, you know, you raise your kids how you want to raise them, but we need to switch it and stop telling our boys they shouldn't cry. Oh, yeah. Or stop telling the men don't cry. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we do. We do. Yeah. Okay. And l- that way they learn how to be vulnerable uh, to their queen because she's already went through so much. 
So let's just stop that. That's, I just want to put that out there. But again, that's how we are critically conditioned to think. Mm-hmm. Now, we're not supposed to cry. We tough. We big. We bad. And we can be that. But at the same time, be vulnerable, too. We can have both And it ways. didn't end with slavery. Like I said, the critical race theory, it, it needs to be told because it didn't end there. In yeah. the 60s, in the 50s, when welfare, when black people were able to start getting on welfare, because welfare initially was for the Anglo-Saxons. Right, right. And, and there's more people that are of uh, white descent on welfare than um, black people. But the what they did was when they started letting black people have welfare and stuff, mm-hmm. Um, in housing, you, the female and the child can go and the male has some, has to go somewhere else. He can go into the household if they were receiving welfare. Mm. So you're splitting up the family again. Yeah. So are you putting them ahead or are you pushing them back? So then you got to decide, do we need food, lights, shelter and whatever, or do we need our husband in the house mm-hmm. and us be on the street and homeless? That That's a unnecessary thing to have to put somebody through. It is. And, yep. you know, and now we have generational welfare where people just that's who how that's they grew they up and that's how they stay. And that's how they are critically conditioned. Yeah. To think this is OK. I got you. All right, family. Uh, when we uh, we're going to take a real quick break, family. we come back, I'm going to read some of your comments and then we'll, I'm going to share a story with you that you may or may not already know that kind of gives you to me a punch in the gut when it comes to uh, slavery. Uh, not necessarily slavery, but after the, the fact of slavery, how we were all treated and how we are certain, uh, again, critically conditioned to think. Uh, we are less than okay. All that'll be coming up next again. If you're on my Facebook page, uh, please understand we'll take that quick break and the sound will go out for you for a few minutes. But we will come back and we'll continue this conversation. And of course, if you listen to me through Spotify, Apple, and so forth, and all the podcasts, just keep a like and listen to this classic from KRS One. You must learn. This is content and conversation for the culture. It is the Red Boy Radio Show. Okay, Woo! content and conversations for the culture. Mixed with classics uh, uh, on TRBRS. Who you know do it better? I mean, be nice. Be nice to in the booth. Working harder than ever. Be nice to rocking the sound set tonight. We're not through. I'm going to drop a new song. Teaching history, deal with straight up facts, no mystery. Teach 
level was culture. Ignorance swoops down like a vulture. Cause you don't know that you ain't just a janitor. No one told you about Benjamin Banneker, a brilliant black man that invented the almanac. Can't you see what KRS is coming at? Well, Eli Whitney, Holly Selassie, Granville Woods made the walkie talkie. Louis Slatterman improved on Edison. Charles Drew did a lot for medicine. Garrett Morgan made the traffic lights. Harriet Tubman beat the slaves at night. Madam CJ Walker made the straightening cold. But you won't know this if you weren't shown. The point I'm getting at, it might be hard, is we're just walking around brainwashed. See what I'm saying? It's not to diss a man. We need the 89 school system. One that caters to a black return because you must learn. What up, cameraman?
Culture Tour with Charlie Wilson. It's a non-stop hit fest. And special guest, it's the reunion of Jodeci. The Culture Tour, new edition, Charlie Wilson and special guest, Jodeci. Coming to a city near you. Visit bpctickets.com for more info. Brought to you by the Black Promoters Collective. Yes, indeed, family. For my DFW family, y'all make sure y'all grab y'all tickets to the Culture Tour starring New Edition, special guest Charlie Wilson, and the return of Jodeci. Tickets are on sale right now, uh, family. It's going to be going down at the Dickies Arena in Fort Worth, Texas, March 24th, starting at 8 o'clock p.m. Y'all, y'all know this might be the last ride with New Edition. You know how I'm a big New Edition fan. So if you ain't got your tickets by now, you better hurry up and get them. Uh, I know I spoke, spoke with Angelina during the break. She said she's not sure if she wants to go to COVID Fest. Yeah, it might be some COVID folks in there. But hey, wear your mask. Have a good time because this might be the last time we see them. So if you need to, family, go ahead and get your tickets and see my boys, uh, New Edition. Uh, I got a couple comments I'm, I'm going to uh, read, family. But first, let me just share a quick story with you so you can get an, kind of an idea of why it is very critical uh, Again, that we learn more about our uh, heritage and what we come from, uh, what we suffered uh, during uh, not only slavery, but after slavery with Jim Crow and so forth. And some of the things we're still dealing with today, a lot of people won't admit it. But uh, it is still going on. It's going on strong. And if we don't do something about it, stand up for ourselves, it will continue. Uh, but Angelique brought up earlier about Emmett Till. And that's one story that we've heard about our whole life about how, you know, he was accused of uh, whistling uh, at a white woman. And of course, uh, the, the her husband and a friend of his found him, uh, tortured him, beat him, uh, basically senses. You you see the pictures online. You see how his mama Mamie Till refused to close the cast because she wanted the world to see how they did her boy. Not only did they beat the mess out of him, but they also then drowned him uh, and so forth. So I wanted to share with you all real quick so another story that you may or may not know. Uh, but there was a, a lady by the name of uh, Mary Turner back in the 1918. Uh, and this was down south as well. Uh, if you guys remember this story, uh, probably about, I want to say uh, back in 16. Yes. Yes. It happened. In, no, 2018. Back in 2018, they were actually getting ready to celebrate uh, the 100th anniversary. I won't say celebrate. Let me just copy the wrong word. Memorialize, I guess. or remember her uh, after 100 years of what she had went through. Um, and you have folks who were upset that that particular moment was coming that they went by the little placard that they have about her name and her story and they shot it up, which is unfortunate. Like you got to ask yourself, what are you teaching your kids for them to still be mad about a woman that was done so dirty as if it already right. wasn't enough done. And for those of y'all don't know, Miss Turner, um, of course was accused of, I can't remember her exact story. Well, she what, spoke out publicly spoke about out her public. husband there getting lynched. There we go. Okay. Cause and her husband had just got lynched the day before. Day before. Wow. And then with her, um, they beat her, of course, but she was pregnant. They literally cut her baby out. And while she was there in the tree, before they, uh, before they uh, hung her, uh, they had, she had to watch not only the baby being cut out, but they sat there. And I want y'all to think about this. Like, really, take this in. Cut the baby out and then stomp the baby right in front of her. They hung her upside down in the tree. Mm -hmm. Burnt her clothes off. Mm-hmm. Cut open her stomach, let this baby hit the ground, then stomp on the, the baby's baby. head. And what the baby do? 
just uh, it's, you know that's what I'm saying? evilness. That's very much evilness. And so for you to shoot that up after 100 years still, it shows you how angry people are. I'm angry for what? Because this is what happens. Your ancestors or your family taught you something or told you something and they conditioned you, critical condition. Right. They critical condition to think that we are nothing. We are less than and that you are superior to me. So I want y'all, as we had this kind of just think about those things as you navigate through this. Like, Because I'm telling you, that right there, that story alone tears me up inside because that's got to be a lot of hatred to want to stump an unborn baby. That's just crazy. Okay. So let me go to some comments real quick. I, I see a lot of y'all are listening. And again, I appreciate y'all joining us today. I want to give a shout out uh, uh, to my homegirl, Jackie Thomas. Uh, she left a, a comment here, which I definitely want to get into this topic uh, with Angelique next, and we'll talk about it. But this is her comment here. Uh, Jackie says, I am a black woman raising a biracial child. I also live in Texas. Uh, we encounter racist issues on both sides. I believe knowledge is power. I believe that our children need to know all history. I believe that shame, ignorance, and fear is what drives a lot of people to want to suppress the information of the past. I believe we can't move forward without looking back and reflecting and or considering how we got where we are today. The conversation is needed to move forward. In other countries, the people openly talk about past injustice and trauma. But in America, we're expected to gloss over it as a thing of the past. So let me ask you, Angela, you being biracial, how was that for you coming up? Um, I lived in the, the Mid-South, which okay. is hard for any um, any person of color. Um, but there was never any choice. Like, I'm half Asian and black. Mm. I was never allowed to be half Asian. Mm. I had one drop of black. Okay. And I don't care how straight <laughs> or curly my hair was. Right. I was black. I was, and I, matter of fact, I was probably a black woman when I was still a child. Mm. I was treated by, you know, um, the people in the South. As as a grown adult, even as a child, yeah, you know, and, and not just by white people, but by black people too. You know, we'll we'll see that little girl. She's switching. She being grown mm. and this and that. And um, you can't say that to little black girls, um, because society is gonna say the same thing, right? Uh, definitely to the little to the little boys that are eight years old, but he's the size of a thirteen or fourteen year old, and he's at daycare, and they treat him like uh, you know. A grown child he's just larger than the average child yeah. that happens a lot too um i remember in nashville like i said that's where i grew up my dad was in the military my mother's asian and we had those standardized tests and you have to mark the bubble and so i marked the bubble um black mm -hmm. and the teacher erased it and put no she added white well back then the standardized test the little bubble comes back home Mm -hmm. And you would have your grade on top of it. The teacher would write the grade and circle on top. And when my daddy saw that, my daddy is very calm, cool, collective. He's not confrontational. He's not black power, none of that. He's from Chicago. Mm -hmm. If you hear him on the phone, you actually think he's a Caucasian. But he saw that, and that just flew into my daddy. My daddy drove up to that school and said, what teacher changed this? Like, my daughter is nine years old. She mm -hmm. knows what race she is. If she puts she's black on here, she's black. If she were to put she's Indian on here, then that's what she is. Mm -hmm. He said, who? And he wanted, I mean, he, he caused the scene. He wanted to know who put white on my thing. He said, and if you had a question of what you thought my daughter was, you should have asked her. Mm -hmm. He said, but you just assume because she's fair-skinned and she's got a different texture of hair that she's half white. And that just, that flew all into my daddy. And wow. I think that was the first time I actually kind of knew that I was mixed because I, I grew up. And even when I was little, 
I play with the black kids. I have yeah. white friends, definitely in Nashville, whatever. Um, I had a, a little girlfriend that was white and the cutest thing happened. And I thought my dad was going to bug out and he didn't. She came up to the house one morning and my mom was doing my hair. And she said, Mr. Barger, can I ask you a question? He was like, yeah. And I, I think we was about eight or nine. And she said, why is the top of your hand black? But the bottom of your hand is white, just like mine. She said, it's just like mine. And my dad, you know, he took a moment. He said, because that's the way God made me. And I just thought he was going to blow up or whatever. But mm-hmm. she was she was a child and she was asking. She wanted to know. And she mm-hmm. said, she said, can I put my hand next to yours? He's like, yeah. And she says, there's a distinctive line because my dad is dark skinned. She mm-hmm. said, there's a distinctive line where mm-hmm. your black ends and then it's the same <laughs> color as mine on the other side. She was amazed that mm-hmm. it was the same color on the other side. Wow. And she grew up with, you know, my mom doing my hair. She'd sit there because I couldn't go outside and play until my mom did my hair. And she said, my mom's put a royal crown in my hair one day. And she said, oh, y'all don't use chicken grease? And my mom said, what? Really? Yes. Her mother had told her that black people put chicken grease in their hair. <laughs> and she just wanted to know. So she was amazed when she saw my mom with this royal crown. She's like, they put chicken grease in the royal crown? I mean, she just wow. didn't know. Yeah. She didn't know. It, it's important to know, though. I Wow. And, and and I'm glad you brought up the the the, the skin tones because so one I want to bring up that's some two stories I saw uh, one story real quick family is that I saw um, here recently when it comes to uh, a global whitening market and I'm talking about folks who have been critically conditioned to think that their the color of their skin be it too dark is basically meaning that you won't live a fulfilled life I mean you have to be lighter or lighter of skin to be welcome or to be successful. So much so, check this out. The global market for skin whitening has estimated an $8 billion industry in 2020 and projected to increase by nearly half that within six years. So $8 billion was spent on people bleaching or whitening their skin to be accepted. Mm-hmm. $8 billion. And they're saying by 2026, it'll be up to $11.8 billion just so you can look lighter because we again conditioned to think that if you're lighter you have a better chance of being successful in this world and i think that is absolutely sad so please y'all if y'all watching don't look at me and angela yeah we know we got a lighter skin (laughs) but trust me i i feel it's sad to that we got to get to that point to where this world has critically conditioned us so much to say that our dark skin doesn't matter or our dark skin is not beautiful Right. And that is a damn lot. That's the first lot I ever told you. And all nationalities that have um, pigmentation in their skin have that. My mother, like I said, being Asian from Thailand, is yeah. my color. And she was looked down upon because Thais are mixed with Cambodians and Chinese. And mm-hmm. Chinese are fairer skinned. And that's looked good upon because in in the Asian community, dark skin means you work. Light skin means that you're in an office somewhere or you're taking care of. You have money. You don't have to go out in the fields to get dark and stuff. And so the darker yeah. you the darker you are, the more, you know, you're a field hand. Yeah. And that's was always believed. That yeah. was always believed when um we were growing up, of course, if you were the darker, you're gonna definitely be in the field and you, you're gonna be the house negro if you light skin, because masters gonna like you more. Or hell, you probably was a, a product of the master's indiscretions. Right. That's probably why too. You know, even I remember coming up and uh, me and Greg were uh, staying in Louisiana at the time with our father, and I remember that even, you know, there was this thing about having the end of year school fights. You know, I don't know oh, how, yeah, yeah. how many cities that passed through. Uh, but what's, what's funny about that was I learned very quick because I was of a lighter tone that it wasn't just about having a fight at the end of the school year. It was about the darker kids against the lighter kids. 
Almost definitely. And we were fighting it to be normal. And I thought that was the craziest thing until one day I talked to uh, my grandmother. Uh, she's 93 years old right now, love of the death. But she was explaining to me, and her and my uncle was explaining to me, even in their times when they were going to school, even if they went to an all-black school, they would separate them from dark to light. Oh. Literally, in your own school system, mm-hmm. you would separate the darker kids and the lighter kids away from each other because they figured they wouldn't be able to get along. Because, again, they were critically conditioned to think that we are not the same. I used to get picked on all the time because my hair moved. <laughs> wow. So I'd say, Mama, can you, you know, pin my hair up to my head? You know, she'd make two plaits, and, of course, they're moving. Yeah. And she'd say, well, you don't like your plaits and your bows? And I said, they make fun of me because my hair moves. My mom was like, what the hell is your hair move got to do with something? She's mm. like, you know what? They're going to pick on you any kind of way. And I was like, Mom, can you just plait my hair to my head? Yeah. Because my hair moving is a thing. I'm, You know, I grew up in the, as a military child moving from base to base. And when I would go to a new school, you know, I'd go into the school and I was new meat. And so the girls automatically didn't like me. Oh, she thinks she's better than their best because she's bright skinned. Her hair moves. Mm. I'd fight all the time and I didn't know what I was fighting about. <laughs> All because your hair moved. Yeah, wow. my hair moved. All right. The other story I want to bring up, fam. This happened in uh, just recently, uh, back on Wednesday. Well, it was reported on Wednesday. This happened in Massachusetts. And basically what happened was there was a uh, school teacher. I won't throw a name out there because I know there's probably some litigation going on somewhere. Uh, but she's a school teacher. Uh, she's teaching uh, some grade school kids. And I believe they were fourth and fifth graders or they were very low in age. And because it was a Black History Month, she thought the best way to teach uh, these children about black history was they took some uh, white, I uh, guess, uh, paper plates uh, and they colored them all black, put eyeballs on them, put mouths on them, everything else. And they made masks out of them black and made them basically wear blackface. And she thought that was a cool idea to teach them kids the difference between black and white. Not even having an idea to think that if you do that, you're once again, you're lessening. A black person, you're telling them they're not even human. And you don't even have empathy for that. And how do you can be around that long, be a teacher, and do something like that, and be like, it's okay. And then not only that, have the industry of what she teaches at, when they came out and tried to give an apology, they didn't even say, oh, we're just upset or whatever. She, They actually put on their social media, their website, and they said, for those who we offended. And that's crazy. Take it back. For those who we offended, meaning... If you are offended, we sorry. But for everybody else, it shouldn't matter. Everybody you should be okay should be with offended. that. Exactly. Everybody and they call that an apology. That's cuckoo. That's it made cuckoo. me mad. It made me mad. You ought to see in the pictures of that. They, they kind of circled out. And you know, because the way face. she was raised where it wasn't a big thing. It wasn't a disparity. You yeah. calling out somebody with blackface was not a big thing in her household. Right. So right. it was not a thing because, yeah, it was just not a thing. I was working at a doctor's office and this girl who's the sweetest girl. I don't mm-hmm. think she has an ounce of racism in her. She mm. just doesn't. But she's ignorant. Yeah. I don't think she has an ounce of racism. So it was Christmas time or something. We had a bowl of fruit and nuts in the uh, break room. And there was some Brazilian nuts in there. Mm-hmm. And I swear to God, I almost passed out. She said, oh, there, there's nigger toes in there. I didn't know what that was. I have never heard of Brazilian nuts called nigger toes. Really? So Brazilian nuts, I guess, are dark nuts. And in the South, they referred to them as nigger toes. And she was raised that way. She did not know that that was... My doctor, who's Jewish, got up. Immediately, he was fuming mad. He threw the whole bowl of fruit and nuts in the trash. And it was a huge thing. 
that somebody. I said, did y'all know that they called him? And she was like, yeah, that's an old Southern term. Wow. And, and like I said, this girl, I know she don't have no racism. That's just the way she was raised with it. She got written up. It's, it's one she didn't get fired. But, I mean, he was just, he was hot. I was in <sighs> shock. Because I was like, even if I don't know what they are, I know niggas are bad words. So I'm not going in a public, you know, at my job saying, mm-hmm. oh, there's some nigga toes. And she said it just as. And comfortable. Yes. Yeah. And that's and that conditioning. Yeah. No idea. I mean, I mean, I guess if you're raised that way and you've seen them all the time at every Christmas or holiday, that that's what they said. And it just didn't even occur to her. And it was a bad day for her that day. I mean, she wow. was boohooing all day. She was running up and down the hallways, apologizing to her. And I felt so bad for it because I was like, oh, who raised you? And, you know, and she's only 21. But I was I just felt bad for her. Wow. And, and the funny thing is, I can feel empathy for somebody being looked down upon because something they said racist where they didn't mean it. Yet you have people, um, Caucasians, who don't feel that same way with, with it the other way. Mm-hmm. Like don't have that kind of empathy. And they say that, you know, we have more empathy for um, people that are experiencing racism and stuff than people actually have of us. Exactly. And that and that sometimes is kind of crazy for me too when you look at that because I think that's how we're built on the inside that's just in our DNA to be loving people mm-hmm. you know what I mean because sometimes people say why are you doing this and why are you doing that I think that's just who we are it's a struggle uh, because that's the thing I, I've, I've said this many times on the show as as much as we go through what we go through still mm-hmm. as a whole we ain't looking for revenge and we're just looking to be treated equal one of my sorority sisters said you know they better be glad that we're looking for equality and right, not revenge right revenge because if we do that if we stand up game over yeah. I mean, let's just be 100. If we decide to ever do that, game over. That, that's oh, yeah. a 100% guarantee because you will, you will, you can dismiss everything that you've ever learned from us. And you can dismiss all that and think because you, 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 you're taking credit for half the inventions that we've made anyway. You know what I mean? A lot of those inventions. So trust me, if we figure out a way, game over. But that's not who we are. The comments on the NFL halftime show on Fox News <sighs> yeah. were horrible. Yeah. yeah. Where certain white people, not all white people, were mad about it, turned off their TVs, walked out. I can't tell you how many times they done had Garth Brooks and ZZ Top on there. Oh, and I'm time. hollering. Right. At the, it, it's right. the halftime show. And it, I never said, well, all they got is white people up here on this halftime show. Right. I mean, Faith Hill, all of them up there, I've never not once thought that in my line. And and one of my uh, sisters said, you know what? If them black football players sat down, one game. One game. One game. It's over. Yeah. It's over. You're right. They would bankrupt the NFL with one game. You're absolutely right. So, fam, look, I, I know that y'all have been enjoying uh, this conversation. I've been enjoying it, too, so much so that I don't even want it to end. But, of course, because it's podcast, we only got one hour to get this thing knocked out. We're we're almost running just a little bit of what we good. We got a little bit of time left. But I just want to reiterate, fam, um, um, if you joined us later, whatever, about this conversation, please go back uh, and, and replay it, especially for those of you who are on live. Uh, for everyone else listening, of course, on through uh, podcasting, I appreciate uh, you tuning into this conversation. And feel free to leave comments under uh, uh, this particular post. Um, you can go back and watch it on my Facebook. You can go back and watch it on my YouTube. There's so much more that we can talk about. And it will take the rest of the day to get through every single thing. And it still probably wouldn't mm-hmm. be uh, no. enough. Um, but I, I just want to just, just kind of. This is a conversation people need to have. In we their need homes. to. And that's the they thing. Need we to need to have homes. it in homes. And we and sometimes, especially with our kids, it, it's sad that we are forced to do it in a sense because i do really hope for the day which i doubt i I hate to be this way but i doubt it'll ever come while i'm still above earth 
or above ground per se, but I want my son to be able to walk outside and just be who he's going to be and nobody will look at him different just because of the color of his skin. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I just I just don't want that for him. I want, I, my like baby, I want my baby to be able to drive down the street without me saying, if you get pulled over by the cops, right, be call me, way. put the yeah. phone on speaker. Yeah, exactly. Do that and don't move. And don't, don't move, keep your hands. hands on the steering wheel. Yeah. And if you got a yes, sir, all the way till you make it to this house. Exactly. Do what you got to do. Exactly. So, again, fam, just want to re- reiterate this this topic of being critical condition. I just want to look at, at, look at the camera, I guess, and tell y'all, look, as far as if you are right now, if you are a black person and you are listening to my voice and you're listening to Angelie's voice, I just want to let you know right now, hey, guess what? Everything going to be all right. You did all right for yourselves. Everything that they told you about yourself and that you wasn't going to be nothing, that you're black as this and black as that and making you feel about the color of your skin, delete all that. Because the only reason why they do it is because they hate you. And I always say they they hate us because they ain't us. They can love on your your culture. They can love on your hip hop. They can love on your clothes, the way you dress, your swag. They'll do all those things. But the moment you so-called step out of their line, then it's a problem. Well, when in reality, okay, the lines that they created, okay, to separate us should have never been in place in the first place because we were all supposed to be, like I say, human. All right, we're all supposed to uh, love equally because all it is is differently. On, a, on top of it all, if you t- if you want to be real and take it all the way back, all the way back, uh, okay, this this the color of their skin started with us. The melanin started with us. We can create all kinds because they can't. So that's where it started at anyway. So if they're hating on you, they're probably deep down inside hating themselves. But I just want to look at for everything that we have done, everything our ancestors went through, um, what our, our brothers are going through, but especially our queens right now, for all that we had to take on, and we can still stand here today and be who we are. I can still get behind this mic and speak, speak to y'all. Y'all can still log onto your phones and speak to me. We did all right for ourselves. So I would encourage us to never quit. We definitely got a long way to go, but try to get out of that mindset or that con- critical condition thinking that we owe it to them. We owe it to ourselves to keep moving. We owe it to our ancestors to keep moving. I'm talking about the ones who came on the boat and also the ones who refused to stay on the boat and jumped and committed suicide. I mean, that's something we don't talk about, but I celebrate both of them. Mm -hmm. I celebrate those who stayed and those who refused to be in bondage. I celebrate them both because I understood at that time, what, what would you do at that time? What type of condition would you be in? Can do I stay or do I go? It's but the I think fight or flight. It's the fight or flight. But I thank all of them for fam. So I just want y'all to know, be proud each and every day to be as black as you are. I don't care if you're light-skinned, dark-skinned, whatever. Be proud of that. Be proud of who we are. Because one thing, I think that if any, there was a, there's a lot of mistakes made when they brought us over here. But I think, I have to laugh sometimes, I think the biggest mistake that they ever made was taking us for granted. Almost definitely. One of the biggest things that they taught us, but they can't stand about us, is our resilience. We are resilient people, and we will always be that way. We just got to do a better job for us to stick together, okay? That's what we got to do. And I always say this. Ain't it funny, though, about if you look at, look around, people always talk about uh, cancel culture. Mm-hmm. And the main ones who are complaining about cancel culture want to cancel your culture mm-hmm. think about that and that's just the power of and be white proud supremacy. of us be and proud. those yeah. that those that are successful and and success is different to everybody but not only do you need to be successful you need to reach back and pull somebody up with you oh absolutely 
They do, do it all day long. Do they that. mentor and teach them. You know, I, yeah. I want to teach my kids that clocking in 40 hours a week ain't necessary. Yeah. That Absolutely. you can make money without clocking in 40 hours a week. Uh, they're taught it, and I, and I want to teach my kids. Absolutely. You got to keep doing it because apparently, and I, I hate to say it, but those who, who think they are better than us, they are teaching their kids to continue to hate us. To, to, to can you look at look at us as we are nothing or we are less than or, or and some of them are still living in old times where they think we are only three-fourths of a human being anyway but i move the same way i got five fingers five toes just like you i want to raise my kids just like you and so forth and so on but somehow you see me as less than because of your you know your supremacy and i psh, look if you ain't uh uh diana ross mary wilson or who, who's the other one um the original uh florence florence mm-hmm. ballot right You'll never be a supreme to me. That's what I'm talking about. You ain't Diana Ross. You ain't Mary Wilson or Florence Ballard. You'll never be supreme to me. All right. So, family, thank you all so much uh, for listening to this again. Like I said, if you want to 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 go back and do the replay, please do so. This is a longer conversation that should be had. We just don't have the time. But I definitely appreciate y'all stopping by listening to another edition of the Red Boy Radio Show. For those of y'all who are checking us out on Facebook, y'all know we're going to take a quick uh, break. But when we come back, we're going to, I mean, Quick break from kill this show, then we'll come back. We got another show uh, coming up. It'll be a little bit more soft, a little bit more fun. Okay, we had enough uh, anger inside for the morning, so we're gonna have uh, fun with this one. Uh, but my man Ziggy, my engineer, I want to thank you, uh, Ziggy, for taking care of us today. Uh, Ziggy, we're gonna play a poem before we get out of here. So let this play out loud on Facebook, if you will. You got me? Yeah, we're good. Okay, cool. All right, so family, taking us out today is going to be none other than my girl Teresa. The songbird. If you have never heard this poem, You So Black, take time, listen to it, get it in your spirit, fam, and just hug yourself. Love on yourself and love on your family day and be proud of who you are and be proud of what you come from. Okay? Shout out to my girl Angelique in the building. Shout out to y'all for showing up. And we will holler at y'all on the next episode of the Red Boy Radio Show. Peace. You so black? You so black when you smile, the stars come out. You so black when you born, the God come out, black as night. Black as dirt. Black as a boot. Black as a hearse. Black to the earth. Black at last and black at first. Black unrehearsed. Black uninvested. Black uninvited. Black ill requested. Black interested. Black entertained, black in something special, baby. Black just the same, black like your mamas and black like your daddies. Black like you want me and black like you could never have me. Black and inconvenient, black with the burden of proof, black until proven innocent, black with the built-in truth, black and blue, black in substance abuse, black with the life that matters, black with hands up, don't shoot black with lead in my water black in a subpar school black and pipeline to prison black single mothers with children black and caught up in the system black and tired of the division of being black and broke black and poor black and bleeding black before black was needing social media black is bland back to africa and black again Black as Panthers, black as Angela and Asada, black as Betty and Coretta's sons and daughters, black as pyramids, black as mathematics, black as melanized, black as magic, black as televised, black as in need of drastic, black advancement, black enhances, black with chances, black with privilege, black with pride, black on purpose, on the black hand side, black and beautiful. 
black and blessed and highly favored, black and blessed, black and so much more, black and nothing less, black and educated, black and dangerous. You know, blacks with education is the most dangerous. Black is brilliant. Black is strong, black is resilient, black is song, black is hip hop, black is space, black is infinite, black is grace, black is love, black makes babies, black babies grow up, black is so tough, black is so hard to do, black is me, black is you, black is not something you choose, black is something you cherish, black is something you wear and you rock it with honor. I'm black like my granddaddy and my great, 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 great grandmama. Back to the black first farmer of black soil and black seed. Black as you need, black as you breathe, black as you believe, black as you love. Black has always been enough. Black is all of the above. Black is lift every voice and sing. Black is letting our freedom ring and resound. Black is color, adjective, adverb, and noun. Black is crown, black is clean. So to the black is all everlasting, to the black in passing, and every shade of black in between. Matter of fact, anywhere you believe your black to at all be applicable. Baby, you so black, you transcend the physical. Black is original. You so black, ooh, you so black. When you smile, the stars come out. You so black when you born, the God come out. Thank you for listening to the Red Boy Radio Show. We'll see you here next time.